Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. I am, of course, your host, Mark Kuznez. That is Mark Kuznez. I think I just said Mar, and then I just trailed off before the C could do much of anything outside of seeing what I did there. Uh, I'm tired. This week kind of just uh, disappeared on me, so here we are, here we are, here we are with a new podcast. I got some games to talk about, quite a few in fact, and a little bit of TV show, this, that, and whatever today. <laughs> I can't remember, last episode, I had already finished TNG, right, and I talked about that, so we're done with all that. In the... Meantime, which doesn't really make sense here, uh, not in the meantime, but since then, what I have attempted to watch is Farscape. That's what I settled on, and I think I'm done. I think I am done. I gave it an honest try. No one can say I didn't give it an honest try, as being known for stopping movies after 15, 20 minutes and being like, yeah. <laughs> I know I don't want to watch any more of this. I gave Farscape 16 and a half episodes or so. 17, 18. I did meet Chiani, whatever her name is. The fucking alien girl who goes, she's like all weird and snake-like and somewhat sexualized. And I did not like her at all. I hated her. I know she's a regular because she's in the key art for future seasons, and some people really like her. Uh, I don't know if she changes, but her introduction at least turned me off a lot. And it's sad. It's sad because I do like a lot about the show. I like the fact that it is a serialized show and not an episodic show. So you have these storylines that are growing over time, and you're continuing them. You're seeing a lot of character growth in terms of them as individuals and them as a group. I really, really like the core four of... (laughs) What are their names? Uh, Claudia Black. (laughs) That dude was never... I don't know. I don't know their names. One, like, the the space lady woman is Ren Ven Hen. The dude is not Worf, but Worf. And the guy is a white guy. I, I like them. I like them so much that I remember all of their names. The the, the lady's name is Peacekeeper. <laughs> but outside of really liking that core group, I just couldn't get into the show. Part of the problem is that I think... Despite the fact that there is a continuing storyline, an overarching storyline, they do still try and have that episodic nature in terms of the stories they're telling from episode to episode. So they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. And what this does is makes it it makes it so that each episode, when I finish an episode, and then I move on to the next one, I don't know how the fuck we got there. Uh, multiple times I had to check and make sure I didn't skip a few episodes because I did not understand what the fuck was going on. There would be leaps in terms of 
the relations between these characters and moments where it seems like a shitload of time has passed and significant things have happened in that time frame that we just were not privy to. And it was very, very confusing and off-putting. And then the actual storylines that we're getting, ignoring the ones we're not getting, maybe 25% of the time they're interesting. And then the the spaceship, which I really like conceptually. I like the fact that it is a, it is a living ship that reproduces by getting pregnant and birthing a brand new baby ship that will grow into a, a ship that can hold a lot of people and stuff like that. That's really cool and it's different. It's unique. But maybe because of its organic nature is a really drab and dreary place to be in for so much of the time. It's just a lot of dark hallways and shadows and browns and more browns and maybe a little bit of red and orange but really muted red and orange and dark red and orange that you might just confuse it for being more brown. And yeah, I I, want to like it because I know a lot of people do like it. I've been on this space kick and I really, again, I really like the core four, even though I, I, I'm just, I'm really bad with names. Okay. I've watched anime Lots of times, and I suck with names. I would struggle at times to remember certain characters from Dragon Ball, and I've watched the whole thing twice. That's a, that's a lot, a lot of episodes, people. I'm just I'm just bad with names in general, even in real life. I'm just bad with names, so don't don't hold that against the show or make you think I'm a lying sack of shit. There are plenty of other reasons to think I'm a liar. Not remember the names of the characters on Farscape is not one of them. But after 17 or so episodes, I, I decided to cut the cord because to continue with it would just be me being stubborn and I could be fucking stubborn as shit. We all know that. But I didn't want to do that. So what I decided to do was I watched some movies I finished Child's Play 2, which is fun. It's not as good as the first movie, but I do find Chucky just really, really creepy and in his way scary. It's also amusing. The The deaths in it aren't that great. I rewatched Jack Frost for the first time in a long time. Not the Michael Keaton family movie, but the super low budget Child's Play, but with a snowman movie and... <laughs> It's it's child's play with a snowman where Shannon Elizabeth, before she was famous for being the fantasy girl of a pie fucker, she was fucked by a snowman, fucked to death by a snowman, in which after he kills her and you see her face, he goes, uh, I guess Christmas came too early this year. And that, that that's Jack Frost. That kind of stupid humor, horrible, cheap, fucking lazy kills. Like it's, it's super low budget, but it has fun with it, and it knows it's dumb, and I, I enjoyed it. It's it's great. Uh, and I also watched Alligator, which I was surprised by how much I enjoyed. 
I can't say there's anything particularly special about it, but it kept my attention for the 90 minute runtime or whatever it was. There's some really silly moments. The silliest moment in it is when the alligator, this 30 foot alligator, whatever, it busts through the street and the way <laughs> the effects they use for like the, the, uh, the busting, like when it's pushing against it, it's just like a really cheap camera shake. <laughs> it's, I was like, this is something I could have done when I was 10 years old with my dad's VHS recording device. And that, that was, that was funny. It was funny, but it, it made me think that, and I think this is his name. I may be a little bit off Robert Forster, who's been a lot of stuff. Uh, but I really liked him as the leading character. I thought he had not some kind of overwhelming charisma or anything, but a bit of an everyday man vibe that I enjoyed. It's sort of like a, a more muted, toned down Bruce Willis in Die Hard or Bruce Willis in a lot of things. He just felt pretty you could you could say boring but i think he still had enough charm to him to not be boring and watching him in that role in that age range that he was during the the alligator movie which is like a 30 year old movie or something at this point but i think he would have made a really really good sam fisher in a movie adaptation of splinter cell I also watched Piranha, didn't finish that. It was a bit of a letdown. I like Joe Dante, but the Piranha just don't have the personality that his other monsters have in his, his creature movies, like the Gremlins movies and Small Soldiers, which I both really, really like. And the human characters aren't interesting like they are in his non-monster-related movies, like The Burbs and... What is another one of his more human things that I like? I don't remember. But I like Joe Dante. Prana was just a, a miss, though. Then I watched X on recommendation from Enchi. And that was one of the most boring horror movies I had ever seen. I don't know why so many people like it. I was disappointed because the only other movie of that director's I've seen is In a Valley of Violence, which I really, 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 really like, uh, which means I love it. Great Western with Ethan Hawke and John Travolta. But X has fun. It does a good job setting the tone and the vibe, especially early on. I was into it, but then it kept... The, the build-up took too long, and then when we got to the killing, it was just really, really boring standard stuff, and there was no great payoff at the very end, and it just felt like a huge waste of time. And that's it, in terms of what I've been watching. A fair amount. I think there's something else in there somewhere. I don't know. I tried uh, Willard, the rap movie. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> that was even more boring than X. And I may have tried something else here and there or we Oh, yeah, but that's, that's pretty much it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we finally, it's been a struggle. The 2003 animated series, 
there was a fucking we had a long patch of just emo whiny freaking super serious leo that took too long to resolve itself but we're finally out of that fucking hellhole so fingers crossed that from this point on it's going to be good i'm about i think i'm uh, almost through with the, the fourth season but let's get on to what i've been playing starting with the last hero of nostalgia i believe that's how they pronounce it it's obviously just the last hero of nostalgia and this is a Souls-like, where you play a lo-fi stick figure in a lo-fi world when you go around remembering things and activating campfires. It brings back a little bit of life to the world and makes it a bit more high fidelity, which is a really good movie, by the way. But it is just... <laughs> it is so ridiculously a... Souls like it is just Dark Souls with a different aesthetic and a nostalgic, nostalgia driven sense of humor. The sense of humor is okay for a lot of people. I think it'll work, but it wasn't really doing much for me. Thankfully, after the opening bits and the tutorials end, it does a good job of shutting the hell up for the most part. So I appreciated that. But it is just, I like it from a visual standpoint. I like the aesthetic. I like the whole stick figure thing and pixelated aspect of the world and how it comes back to life a little bit when you are activating these campfires. They're not campfires, they're like lamps or what, I don't know. They're like little torch lamp things. It's, it's the same thing. But I, the thing about it is that you have to really be interested in the personality of it and the aesthetic to want to play it because it is just fucking Dark Souls. It is so Dark Souls. It is ridiculous. Even in terms of the opening layout of the world, you go through your little opening area, your tutorial area, which is a library equivalent to like, what was it? Lauren's Manor. I don't I don't remember the name of it, but it's, it's sort of like that. And then you get to an open area. You get to a part that's just outside of like a graveyard with a, a campfire place and there's a dude waiting for you there. And there's a staircase going down to a, a section, but that section doesn't have like a, a thing you can fall into or anything like that. But there's no elevator there either. And, and, and things will change here and there and it'll be not one-to-one -one replicating Dark Souls 1 specifically. But it, it fucking is just like... It's just so, it's so unwilling to, and maybe it's because it's trying to feed off of all the still young nostalgia people have for the very first Dark Souls series being, what, a 13-year-old game? What was it, 2009? It, it plays exactly like Dark Souls. You got your dodge roll. You've got light attack on the right bumper. Heavy attack on the right trigger. You use uh, the left trigger. No, no not, not trigger. You use the left bumper to put up your shield. And then the left trigger to do whatever action you can with that weapon. It doesn't have to be a shield. It can be a sword or whatever. You can dual wield if you want. And you level up at your thing. You die. You're souls equivalent are left and you gotta go get them back <laughs> just, 
you, you press the Y button or whatever, and it changes your stance and puts you into not dual wielding mode, but where you put like your shield behind you and your dual dinosaur. I guess it's just fucking Dark Souls. I can't believe how much it's just fucking Dark Souls. And it, the thing is, it plays really, really well outside of one performance hiccup, and that is an abundance of screen tearing. This is just to get around to the fucking point. It it plays very well and very close to the Souls games and Dark Souls in particular. I don't know. I'm assuming there's a parry system. I didn't really have to mess with it because it's a little bit on the easy side. The, the enemies are kind of boring so far that I've experienced in my few hours with the game. And it's got, even with the dodge rolling, you put too much weight on, you're going to fat roll. It's... It's just fucking Dark Souls. And that that's the problem. If... And the, the problem with it is just that there are many, many Souls-like. There are many games that are taking what Souls has done and putting their little spin on it, right? Sure, we got Lords of the Fallen. We got The Surge. I, I don't mean to just mention games from the same company, but we've got uh, the fucking Namco... Not Namco. The Team Ninja shit. They're fucking ones that are kind of similar and other things you, you know what i'm saying there, there's just so many okay that's what i'm trying to say there are a whole bunch of fucking souls likes but last hero the last hero of nostalgia all it does differently is change the look and add a sense of humor that may or may not work for you if that's enough you know all right but as much as I did enjoy playing it, one, that screen tearing needs to be fucking up. They need to fucking fix that. That's, that's, that is a big problem. It runs well, but there's a lot of screen tearing, and I don't like screen tearing. I'm playing on Xbox uh, Series X, uh, for the record, for reference. But I feel like you'd just be better off replaying Dark Souls. Just, I mean, sure, you may play that game to death, but... Even if you play that game to death, the world is more interesting. And maybe you can discover something new unless you've already played it like 50 times and you, you really need something new. But if you've played through Dark Souls 50 times, you haven't done that with Elder Scrolls. Not Elder Scrolls. Elden Ring yet. Just played Born of That probably. I haven't played it yet. But yeah. The last hero of Nostalgia, Nostal, Nostalgia is a, a good game with a few technical issues. But it's, it's it's just like it just isn't doing enough to differentiate itself in in, a, in substantial ways in in more in the ways that matter. A, a like a different coat of paint is not enough, and the fact that some parts of just the sheer level design is so clearly trying to remind you of Souls uh, of Dark Souls does kind of annoy me. But if, if that doesn't bother you, or if you think that sounds cool, then uh, give it a give it a shot. Then unusual findings. Speaking of nostalgia, this is a point-and-click adventure game that is set in the 80s, and it's full of 80s nostalgia. It is very much so a Stranger Things type of vibe and whatnot. Aliens, crash land, you play a group of kids, and you gotta figure out what's going on. And... 
the humor's not bad. I'll give it that. The humor, surprisingly not bad. There is a point where you're asked to, I mean, this is just, you're not making any decisions here or doing anything, but you are told to act like an adult. And so one of the characters starts screaming, oh, oh, man, I've got so many kids back at home. My fucking mortgage is just through the roof. I can't stand it. So talking about adult shit was his way of acting like an adult. I thought that was clever enough. And the the game is fully voice acted, it seems. And the voice acting is pretty good. Some characters can be annoying, but that's intentional. And uh, they the voice actors are really putting their all into it. And they're having fun with it. And I think that is its saving grace. If you really, really latch on to that, the story and the acting, the performances and all that, you'll probably find that to be enough to push you through the inherent problems with the point-and-click adventure genre, which plagued this game so, so much with the game's personal internal logic and having to run around and figure things out that don't really make sense. A fucking super annoying thing. Like One thing I really, really hate more than anything, more... I, I probably hate this more than a game's dumb inter- uh, internal logic that you have to learn because you can just you can eventually figure that out and learn it and just be able to accept that. But what I can't accept are puzzles that require trial and error, which require you to just like while like you can't figure this out any way other than just taking a chance, fails, then whatever, you go back to the load thing or whatever, or you restart the process try another fucking thing that doesn't work i spent maybe 10 minutes on one puzzle that was just me doing trial and error and having to re-go into this dialogue option and initiate this thing and then do it it was playing a video game uh, playing this one guy's video game and then when i got to the fucking end every single one of the options didn't work i don't know if the game bugged out on me i read in one review that the person has some issues with the game not doing this. I don't, I don't know how I fucking fix that. If I can fix that, if if it's meant to be that way, it just seemed weird. That okay, it's, and and the one dude was saying, you know, some games just aren't fair. And is he telling me that that means there's just no fucking way of finishing this in game and getting the fucking game? I just got fucking annoyed with it after two hours of listening to a lot of these fucking characters talk. I got sick of listening to them. Even though I think it, it's funnier than a lot of games, just genuinely funny. Not I'm like not laughing. I, I think it's genuinely well written and does a lot to the to you know play in, into that nostalgic thing. There's a, it's got a really good soundtrack with some great licensed music that's fun and, and the way they use it. But I just. It's also clunky to control with a controller. I don't like. I wish that you either had direct control over your characters and could move them in the game yourself, or there was a separate button that was just for moving your character around w- with the cursor, and then a separate button for interacting and, and bringing up the interact options. But instead, the the cursor just a fucking does everything. So you got your little inventory bag in the bottom left corner. Press 
A, when the cursor is on that, it'll open it up. And pressing that on any object that you can interact with will open up the interaction options, which are look at, talk to, or grab, punch, some kind of action with the object. And this just makes navigating the space kind of annoying where you may just want to move over to the left or the right side of the screen. You just want to like, well, I'm circle jerking the fucking air right now. Yeah, that, that's for the visual. That's for the video listeners. Fucking shut up. Okay, 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 okay. My, my, my Pesci. What is that about? Something about the... Oh, yeah. Navigating the thing. It just makes it kind of annoying because you might want to scroll over and then when you're pressing the button to just have the character keep moving to one side of the screen, it happens or you press the button when an object appears on screen that you can interact with and then they interact, options come up and you got to fucking cancel out of that and then move away. It's just like, oh, I hate it. It's just driving me fucking crazy. But that's unusual findings. You may, you may find it unusually enticing. Then we've got them's fighting herds. And this is a fighting game with just farm animals. I mean, they're not all farm animals. Like one of them's a, a llama. I guess there are farms that have llamas that probably like harvest or whatever you call their, their wool. But you can play as cows and other things, ponies. It's got a very, very cute aesthetic. And a bit of voice acting, which became pretty grating early on. <laughs> it's it's a whatever fighter. The, the 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 actual fighting was pretty standard stuff. It's fine, but why would you play it over a real, a quote unquote real fighter like Tekken? So they still make Soul Calibur, right? There's a Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur Six was somewhat recent, right? Or Tekken Six was. What's the last? I guess the last big fighters would all be Arc System works or whatever, like Guilty Gear. And of course, we got Street Fighter Six coming soon, which I'm very excited. But like, well, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, there's no reason why you wouldn't play one of those over this, outside of the story mode, which is where the game is unique and tries to be different. Tries to give you more than just here are some cutscenes in between fighting. You get thrown into this. 16-bit type overworld top-down perspective like a Zelda or whatever and you go explore it when you have to jump across a cavern or away it'll transition to a side-scrolling jumper thing that's somewhat resonant uh, reminiscent of like doodle jump where you're just jumping left or right uh, and you can adjust the height depending on your button presses they had another little mini game. To, uh, it, it was interesting from uh, it was interesting conceptually, but it wasn't actually fun playing through what I played of the story mode. And I, like it's also a little like Pokemon-ish in terms of the vibe and everything. But then you have all these, you have a handful of mini games for for different actions and and whatnot. It was just kind of boring. Like, it, it's really, really cute. I love the art. This is, not in the story stuff, like the, the, the 16-bit stuff doesn't look that great, but the actual fighting aspect of it, 
looks really good. I like the I like the, the look of the characters, even if some of their personalities annoy the fucking shit out of me. But hmm. uh, I, it might be worth checking out if you've got some young ins at your home that really find the art super appealing. Because it's also pretty easy to to button mash. Uh, if you there are a lot of difficulty options, and they do a good job of making it a pretty accessible fighter, depending on your skill level or challenging if you want. So there, there's that as well. But the the fighting is pretty simple and straightforward, and there's not a lot of complicated combos or anything to it really. So yeah, them's fighting herds. It's okay. It's okay. Those are my words for them as fighting herds. And Paper Ghost Stories, 7 p.m. has a really, really cool aesthetic. It's basically a world of paper cutouts. And it looks really, really cool. And it's at its best visually when you're not in control. And it's trying to bring about a, a scary situation or maybe put you at unease and it does a good job with that some solid lighting in those moments and it just looks really 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 cool the problem with the game is that from a story standpoint it's part of the problem is that it's not an a, a native english made game so it was localized, it was translated, and there are a lot of errors in the translation, in the localization, and that does a, it, it does a good job of taking you out, at least with me. It, it took me out of the story and my ability to take it seriously when it was delivered via a lot of broken English, because I can't help but read it and I'm like, uh, 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 but I do appreciate that. Cause I, I think at one point they, I, I believe it is all sort of like Malaysian based in terms of their ghost stories and their culture. I do like the fact that while a lot of the story in the text is translated, there are parts of it that aren't, and they give you little footnotes that tell you what these words mean so there's a word in there that is the equivalent of sigh in english and they use that repeatedly and they, they let you know that's what that means or they'll have somebody who says a saying in another language and 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 they give you the translation so i really like that i, I like the fact that the game is really like and there's a dedication at the end. It it seems like a a passion project, which is why I I don't want to hate on the game. And I didn't hate it. It's super short. I finished it in like an hour. And it's a game where you have a handful of choices, so there's a reason to replay it. When I finish it, it said I completed fifty percent of the game. And and what the game entailed for me was, I, I played as a group of young kids. I switched between them, depending on where the story's going. Not, I, I don't get to choose. The story just transitions and then puts me in a different kid's shoes. And you're told uh, a ghost story. 
And then some weird things are happening in your little apartment complex. And you just explore this very tiny space, talking to people, looking at objects, interacting with things, making uh, these few choices, learning stuff about the culture. And I really liked all that stuff about it. It's just really, really short. So it's hard to get too invested in any of it because it, it, when it ended, I was like, oh, is that, that's really the end? I, I, I thought maybe I missed the opening and they were giving me all the credits to show that, okay, these are, these are, this, that was just the opening bit. Now we're going to have the rest of the story. And then I remember, oh yeah, the, the, you can replay it. So there's, there's that side and why it would maybe be on the shorter side to encourage replaying it. But it just, it's not quite there. It, it's, it's something that I look at and I am happy I played it. I appreciate a lot about it more than I actually like it. And I'd love to see more from this developer. I'd love to see a ghost stories colon some other PM or something else, a more expanded story. Because like I said, you can tell that this is a passion project that they put a lot of their heart and whatnot into it. And they put a lot of their culture into it. And I like all that about it. It just wasn't, it just didn't quite come together in the end. This is like a, a solid, you know, I don't often put out scores or hypothetical scores or anything like that. This is like a solid six out of 10, a game that's almost there a little bit more, or maybe in a number two, it could, it could hit eight plus, but right now, this, this one is just a six, you know, 7 PM, but six out of 10, but worth checking out. I, I'm not sure how much it costs. If it's not too pricey or when it goes on sale, I'd highly recommend giving it a go, even though I'm, you know, pretty lukewarm on it overall. And the last game I played was, a uh, Atari mania on the switch. I don't know if it's different on PC, but this game fucking runs like shit on the Switch. And maybe it's intentional, but it feels like it's running at half the frame rate it should be all the time. And it feels horrible to play. I like it. Conceptually, I say that a lot. But you, this is a game where it's very much so all about Atari. And having fun with that history. Throwing a bunch of mini games at you that are revolving around classic Atari games. You play this janitor or whatever in an office building. You go around doing this and that, finding collectibles, finding box art, seeing the story change, and then you have to do this, which will initiate a chain of mini games. And you have so many lives that you can use towards failing before you get to the final bit of the end. One, the challenge ratchets up ratchets up very quickly in large part because of the, the poor controls and how poorly it feels and then two it just controls poor I fucking hated playing this game it felt like shit when I was playing these mini games I was frustrated because I would fail due to how poorly it all felt 
I have felt no real. It's not. It's not tight. It's not tight. I I want it tight, like my butthole. When I've got a poop and I'm not at home because I'm not pooping in a public toilet, man. I want it that tight. I don't know what this means. How this means tight, but tight, tight. This is this is the poo trying to come out. I want it. I want it tight. So I want it so tight that you probably are like, I can barely hear you right now. You sound so muffled. It's because my butthole is so tight. The the poo poo that is this microphone right now, it can't come out. It can't. Not even a little bit. But Atari Mania is fucking fucking shit all over my face. That's where we're at. It's just... It needs updates. It needs updates before I even humor playing it anymore. But uh, yeah, baby. Let's get on to Patreon questions. I don't remember what they were. So I'm going to go check them out. And I didn't, I didn't remember to load them up beforehand. So here we are. Here we are, people. I mean, what are you going to do? I just got shit in my face. Atari just shit on me. So, you know, cut me some slack. After they just dumped a bunch of brown out their ass on my face and in my mouth. And it hurt so bad that I went ow. Ow, ow. Remember little Bow Wow? He was in Tokyo Drift. He fucking sucked in that movie. He's the worst part. All right. From Jedi. What's more important, getting all the achievements in a game or getting 100% in a game? The actual answer, as we all know, is uh neither neither are important but honestly achievements are nice achievements are fun but when a game has an internal system and an ability to 100% in game that's way more fun to chase after usually there'll still be an achievement tied to doing that but I really like that. And I like it when you get a little something, even if it's really, really stupid and simple for doing that. Like I, I hundred percented Grand Theft Auto three by City in San Andreas twice. Cause I'm a crazy person. You don't really get much of anything in three, but in Vice City, the cool thing that you get is whatever. Like I think you get a stupid shirt that doesn't really matter. But you get the ability to take, I believe it was two bodyguards with you. So you get to take two NPCs with you who will fight alongside you. And that just, it doesn't make it a whole new experience or anything. And it's after you've completed the game, so you can't take them on missions or anything. But when you just want to go around raiding Havoc and going on rampages and all that, it's kind of fun to have these two guys alongside uh, with you. And... Yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, neither neither matter all that much to me anymore. And I, I, I think it's because, you know, growing up, having my own money and all that jazz and being able to buy games more freely, I'm not limited to a handful of games. So, of course, when I was younger and only had a few games that were like that I owned each year I'd be able to rent games here and there but the games that I owned I played the hell out of and 
when that's the case, of course, you're going to really just go head first, dive deep into them and play the hell out of them and 100% them. And it's satisfying to do that. It's satisfying when a game gives you all these objectives and things to do and, and gives you a percentage so that you feel like you're constantly making progress or you have goals, you have things to go after when a game, when you put a hundred plus hours into a game and, and, and whatnot. So yeah, I, I like that. Then, uh, from <gasps> Lunchbox, oh, he, he, Lunchbox also responded to Jedi's question. He said, in reality, I would like achievements to be a roadmap to 100%. And that's sometimes the case. That is sometimes the case. But also, Lunchbox's actual question is, I have no good question. Hate everything right now. And you know what, Lunchbox? I know you do. Because for no fucking reason, you decided when vegetables became a topic, when they were brought up in the Discord, because we were talking about how the Jedi does not like vegetables, I was made aware of that, which I probably already knew, but I was made aware of it again. You know, shh, don't tell anyone. Living large and Jedi and actually, shh, don't tell anyone. I mean, you know, the patrons know. The patrons know. But um, when uh, vegetables were brought up, you just decided to come in there and shit on my favorite vegetable. Why? Just to fucking be a hater. That's it. And then you shit on another vegetable, which I like, and I can't eat it anymore because it makes me sick. So you fucking just... Punch me in the face and then kick me in the balls. My God. It's the meanest thing you've ever done to me, Lunchbox. How dare you? So, so cruel. Then the last question is from one Anchi, the one and only. And it is, what's the coolest place you've ever been? Uh, probably Chicago. Uh, I've never been to Alaska. I mean, Minnesota was, I mean, Minnesota is cold, but it wasn't cold when I went there. Not colder than it's been in Chicago. So, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say Chicago, especially the time when uh, my mom didn't pick me up and didn't realize or whatever, forgot the library was going to be closed that day because it was probably a holiday or something. So I sat outside the library while it was snowing real, real heavy for, I don't know, three hours or something. School gets out at two o'clock or so, and I got picked up at five o'clock. And there was a payphone there, but I didn't think to call my dad collector or anything. And I didn't want to bother my mom, so that was probably the coldest I've ever been because of the, the long period and the fact that I was just standing out there and I wasn't moving around. Keep my life. That that was fun. Oh, oh, oh! You mean like? cool as like oh man this is this is really cool i like oh man whoa i know what you meant i'm not fucking stupid i mean i'm stupid i ain't that stupid but uh the coolest the coolest place i have been oh my god i read this question and i didn't bother to think about it and i don't really have a good answer I'm trying to think I really liked this Japanese garden that I came across when I was in Seattle for PAX. And the funny thing about when I went to Seattle the one time for PAX, PAX was 100% so very easily the thing I enjoyed least. I, I didn't really enjoy PAX at all outside of meeting Jeff Green and getting in chat with him for like 15 minutes. And then him 
giving me a bunch of Plants vs. Zombies swag that I still have. But just getting to talk with him and have a actual conversation was super fucking cool. Re uh, not reading. Meeting Ryan Davis was very nice. Um, you know, before he passed and all that. He's a super, super nice guy. But uh, we're still across this Japanese garden that was in like like off of, it's like in, in an alley or something it was so out of nowhere I don't know how we found it but it was really really nice really peaceful in part because of its secluded nature I liked a lot about Seattle outside of the hilly nature of it I, I don't like being in the city and being parked at a stoplight at a fucking 45 degree angle or whatever it, it makes me feel very uneasy but what else? What else was cool? What else has been cool? I'm trying to think. Uh, I I didn't do anything particularly special, but I loved my time in Edinburgh because I just love the weather there and I like the the general vibe of it. Paris was nicer than expected. People are super super nice there. Americans just want to talk about how is it probably isn't the I don't know if people still feel this way in. America, the the whole stereotype of the French being snobby assholes isn't true, except for one restaurant that wouldn't let me use their bathroom. That that wasn't cool. But then another one would, and when I went into the bathroom, it was just a hole in the ground. So I held my poo <laughs> the whole trip. I hated San Diego. I don't remember Disney World. Texas was fine. I don't know. You know the the coolest place, the coolest place I've ever been is any place that I've been with my dad. Because I love my dad, and when we're able to do things together, what could be cooler than that? Dropping a fucking invisible mic. Oh, anywho, that will do it for this year episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Once again, I'm Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. If you'd like to find all my links of import, you can do so over at Patreon. No, 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 no. You could do that over at pixelatedsausage.com slash PXS. That is pixelatedsausage.com slash PXS. That'll get you all the links that you need to know. And if you know you like this show and all some other stuff I do or just one other thing I don't if you like any of the things I do any other things at all and you you like them so much that you want to support me and my nonsense if you if you really really do you can go over to patreon.com slash pxs to support me and all that crap that way if you if you support it the three dollar or higher tier you can ask me questions that I'll answer on the show doesn't that sound good doesn't that sound worth it huh you also get approved status on the YouTubes, so you can just post whatever the hell you want there. But you don't have to. You can support me at just a dollar. I, I don't know if Patreon allows you to, to support for less than a dollar. I don't know exactly how Patreon works. But if you, if you if you like me and you're willing to spend $12 a month, not $12 a month, $12 a year, which is less than a month of many streaming services and who gives you better original content? Me or Netflix? I mean, 
Netflix has Midnight Mass, so fuck. But you know, I'm 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 not bad either, right? But again, again, Patreon.com/slash/pxs if you want to support me in any way, shape, or form, or you know, just spread the word, tell people about the show if you can't spare a little bit. Anything you can do is greatly appreciated. Uh, with that, uh, I'm going to end the show. So as always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. So for now, adios. Uh, Riva Derchi. Bye. <laughs>